Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer today for August 10th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Our readings for today are Psalm 42, 146, 2 Samuel 14, 1 through 20, Acts 21, 1 through 14, Mark 10, 1 through 16. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with a throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise God, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, at the thunder of your cataracts, all the waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands God's steadfast love, and at night God's song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk around mournfully, because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise God, my help and my God. 2 Samuel 14, 1-20 Now Joab's son of Zeruiah perceived that the king's mind was on Absalom. Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman. He said to her, Pretend to be a mourner. Put on mourning garments. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but behave like a woman who has been mourning many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him as follows. And Joab put the words into her mouth. When the woman of Tekoa came to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and did obeisance and said, Help, O king! The king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, Alas, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Your servant had two sons, and they fought with one another in the field. There was no one to part them, and one struck the other and killed him. Now the whole family has risen against your servant. They say, give up the man who struck his brother so that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he murdered, even if we destroy the heir as well. Thus they would quench me, my one remaining ember, and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, go to your house and I will give orders concerning you. The woman of Tekoa said to the king, 
On my on me be the guilt, my lord and king, and on my ho- father's house, let the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall never touch you again. Then she said, Please, may the king keep the Lord your God in mind, so that the avenger of blood may kill no more and my son not be destroyed. He said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please, let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. He said, Speak. The woman said, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself, inasmuch as the king does not bring his banished one home again. We must all die. We are all like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up. But God will not take away a life. God will devise plans so as not to keep an outcast banished forever from God's presence. Now I have come to say this to my lord the king, because the people have made me afraid. Your servant, though, thought, I will speak to the king. It it may be that the king will perform the request of his servant, for the king will hear and deliver his servant from the hand of the man who would cut both me and my son off from the heritage of God. Your servant, thought, the word of my lord the king will set me at rest. For my lord the king is like an angel of God, discerning good and evil. The Lord your God be with you. Then the king answered the woman, Do not withhold from me anything I ask you. The woman said, Let my lord the king speak. The king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered and said, As surely as you live, my lord the king, one cannot turn right or left from anything that my lord the king has said. For it was your servant Joab who commanded me. It was he who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. In order to change the course of affairs, your servant Joab did this. But my Lord, his wisdom, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know all things that are on the earth. Acts 21, 1-14 When we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. When we found a ship bound for Phoenicia, we went on board and set sail. We came in sight of Cyprus, and leaving it on our left, we sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre, because the ship was to unload its cargo there. We looked up the disciples and stayed there for seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and processed on our, proceeded on our journey, and all of them, with wives and children, escorted us outside the city. There we knelt down on the beach and prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus and greeted the believers and stayed with them for one day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, and we went into the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. While we were staying there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. 
He came to us and took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people were ur- there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we remain silent except to say, The Lord's will be done. And from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds again gathered around him, as was his custom, he again taught them. Some Pharisees came, and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our readings for today. In 2 Samuel, we continue on in David's life. He is now older. Absalom has been separated from him for three years after killing Amnon um, for the rape of Tamar, Absalom's direct sister. So. Joab, who you may remember was the one who um, who killed Abner, I believe it was Abner, um, the the general of the northern tribes, uh, because Abner had killed his brother. He's kind of a little bit of a conniving character, but Joab discerns that David is longing for his son Absalom. Um, but because of whatever political or personal pressure or whatever, he does not want to sort of connect with him. At this point, he has been um, sort of exiled to another city. So Joab puts together this plan and sends a woman, basically an actress, to go and tell him this story of that she had two sons and one of them killed the other, and um, now she longs for her her other son because he's the only one left and all the people say that he must be killed or or sent away or something but um she has this desire for him and david again very much like the story with um 
with Nathan the prophet, um, he is caught up in this story and says, no, everything's going to be fine. Just go ahead and, and reconcile with your son. And if anyone has to say anything about it, say something to me. And she says, well, you know, if that's your, if that's your take on the situation, then why are you doing something different with your son, Absalom? And David looks at her and says, Joab sent you, didn't he? <laughs> um, she says, yes, absolutely. So now David is, is there's this a little bit more impetus to, to reconcile with Abner. So it's, this is an interesting story because there's very much this, um, this theme of reconciliation this restoring of relationship, which we see all throughout scripture. It's a, it's a pretty major theme. We also have a little bit of deception um, and, and that sort of thing. And also knowing where this story is going, um, it's unclear whether this is a good thing that Abner or that, um, that Joab is maybe wise or very uh, in, in tune with what David's needs are. And that's why he's doing this. Or maybe he has ulterior motives because, as we will find out, Absalom actually being back in Jerusalem is not necessarily the best thing for David. So this is an interesting, interesting story. But again, it's it's this, um, it's a similar story where David's caught up in this this um, this story, and then connects it to his own life. So often we see this, we have stories around us all the time, um, and we can be affected by, you know, TV or movies or a, a particularly good song or book or whatever, right? And it can cause us to reevaluate, to think about our lives. Um, one of the things that sort of pushed me um, and has pushed me a few times to to sort of like continued reconciliation with my father was an episode of Babylon 5 about fathers and and sons you know we see these stories and we see ourselves in them and they can really cause us to to make those good steps so anyways that's that's that then we have in acts paul is on his way to jerusalem and this is not subtle foreshadowing at all, right? The people in wherever it was, they beg him, do not go down to Jerusalem. Please, just don't go down to Jerusalem. Um, a prophet comes down, and this is uh, Agabus, who actually was the same prophet who prophesied way at the beginning of Paul's story that there would be a um, a famine in Jerusalem. So this is the same prophet, and he takes Paul's belt and wraps it around his hands and feet and says, so the, the Jewish authorities are going to bind up the owner of this belt. Everybody does not want Paul to go to Jerusalem because something bad they think is going to happen. And yet Paul's take on it is, no, I need to go to Jerusalem. It is part of my purpose to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. Whether y'all want me to or not, I'm definitely going to Jerusalem. And so they say, well, okay, 
let whatever the Lord wants to happen, happen. So we'll see what will happen in Jerusalem. Um, It is bad, but it is also very good. Um, And so it sort of depends on your perspective. These folks who love Paul see that he is going to suffer, and he is going to suffer. Um, But God is going to bring glory out of the situation, and so Paul is embracing it. Paul wants to go to this place. And then we have in um, the, the Gospel of Mark, Jesus talks about divorce. Um, and this is a challenging one, right? So the Pharisees say, is it lawful to divorce? And he says, well, what, it, what does the law say, right? You all are really concerned with the law. What does the law say? And they say, well, you know, a husband can just basically write a letter to his wife and say, we're divorced and give her a cert- certificate of, of divorce. What would that do at that time? When women had very few rights in, in Judaism, a woman who was divorced was now damaged uh, goods, basically. No, very few people would want to marry her. That meant that unless she had some sort of something to fall back on or someone to care for her, she would probably go into prostitution or just begging. Um, so this is not a good thing, and that's all over sort of the whim of the husband, just signing a writ of certif- cert- uh, of divorce. So that's the way that the law is actually put together. And Jesus calls attention to this and says, yes, Moses gave you that law because you're weak, because you can't handle true relationship. But here's the design. Here's the hope. God has created us to be together with one another. And he quotes from Genesis, you know, for this reason, a, a um, husband leaves his family and cleaves to his wife. That there's this creation of something new in this marriage relationship. That it is a deeper relationship than any other relationship. It is a unique relationship. And so to break that is not just writing a letter, um, this is something that is stronger. He also goes on to say that someone who is divorced and then gets married again, that's, that's basically adultery. Now, this is something that we continue to struggle with in the modern world because divorce is a pretty, um, pretty common occurrence. And frankly, divorces within the church are not any less um, uh, common than in the rest of the world. How do we deal with that? Well, I think it is nuanced. Um, There are times when divorce is uh, an easier option, right? You see signs on the side of the road. I've never seen any here, um, but in South Carolina, there were these signs and it was like, get a divorce for $300, right? That is basically that writ of that, you know, just pay out a couple money, we'll, we'll, go to, uh, we'll go to court a couple times, and then you're divorced, right? That's an easy out. Um, that's not the hope. Now, that being said, there are times when divorce is a better option. Again, because we are weak, because we don't understand things. Um, there are times, I think, where divorce is a more faithful option. Um, 
I think more often than not, however, divorce is the easier option than actually working through our baggage, working through our um, challenges, working through our stuff, and working through our stuff together. Um, that's a much more difficult option. And a lot of people don't want to take it. Working through those things, creating a stronger relationship, ultimately is a better situation. But if one person is interested in working on that stuff and the other is not, that's a different situation, right? Um, because just as these two come together and become one flesh, both sides have to be a part of it. And if one has given up or one just does not want to do anything in the relationship, then maybe that's a time where divorce is maybe the more faithful option. It is not, I, I think, as straightforward and clear cut as it may seem. Um, and I would suggest that there's, there's some nuance here in even Jesus's words. Certainly, there's a reading where you can look at this and say, well, Jesus doesn't want have us, us to have divorce, right? But you also notice that he, he gives allowance, but he heightens the um, expectation that it not just be this letter, but there is an allowance of this for the law because we're weak, because we, we are imperfect beings, and sometimes we need that option. And then he gives what is sort of the ideal. Here is the, here's the hope that, it, that these two would be one flesh. Um, that's different than saying, you know, this, you definitely can't do this ever. Now, when he says that someone who is divorced and then marries again commits adultery, that's a little bit more clear cut. Um, so that's something to, to sort of wrestle with. Is this a direct thing that Jesus said, or is this a later addition? I don't know. Um, it's certainly something to, to struggle and continue to, to work through. Um, this, is, this is a hard thing. Many of us have had some sort of relationship with divorce. My parents were divorced, um, and ultimately I think it was a good thing for both of them. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's kind of my bias and my lens that I'm coming with. Um, perhaps you have been through a divorce. Perhaps you have not been through a divorce and done the hard work. Maybe you have a different perspective. Um, but that's okay. We, we are able to look at these things with nuance and realize that every situation is not the same. So anyways, that is, that was a little sideline on divorce. Let's go ahead and join together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. Eternal God, we praise you for the might, your mighty love given in Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the new life we have received by his resurrection. Especially we thank you for ministries of teaching and pastoral care. Those who work to help and heal. Sacrifices others have made for our benefit. 
opportunities for our generous giving. The presence of Christ in our weakness and suffering. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? We give thanks for our relationships, when they are good and when they are not so good. Thank you for the challenges that we go through in order to create good, healthy relationships. Bless us when we are weak, when we are fallible. Thank you for the blessing of reconciliation. God of grace, let our concern for others reflect Christ's self-giving love, not only in our prayers, but also in our practice. Especially we pray for the church in Latin America. A right relationship between humans and the earth. Those who are wounded or face death. Those who keep watch over the sick and dying. All who speak up and take action for what is right. People of God, for what else do we pray? Almighty God, you have made us in your image and crowned us with honor and glory. Shape us by your word and fill us with your spirit so that we may live as your beloved children and proclaim your saving love to our life's end. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now let us continue to pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, like good stewards of the grace of God, let us serve one another with whatever gifts we have received. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised.